Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. Today, I'm going to be talking to somebody I've wanted to interview for quite a while. Her name is Carolyn Farrow, and she is a journalist, writer, and media commentator who hails from Great Britain. Just to give you a bit of her background, in 2010, so 11 years ago, she started to get frustrated by how many of the media headlines and how much of the news coverage was negative towards Christianity, and she began blogging in defense of many Christian principles, including a lot of controversial principles on marriage and abortion and on other issues. Since 2013, she's been quite widely published in uh, the Catholic Universe, Catholic Herald, which Dan Hitchens used to run, the National Catholic Register, Conservative Woman, Crisis Magazine, and also here at LifeSiteNews.com. She's also been featured in the Daily Mail, The Observer, and The New Statesman. She was also included as part of the first cohort of the BBC's 100 Women, and she was regularly featured on BBC News, Sky News, ITV's Good Morning Britain, BBC Sunday Morning Live, The Big Questions, and has also made many appearances on Radio 4's flagship programs, The Today Program, Woman's Hour, The Moral Maze, and The Sunday Program, as well as featuring in several one-off documentaries. She's also co- presented the coverage for the March for Life UK for EWTN. I've done the same thing uh, here in Canada, actually, and has frequently contributed to talk radio, LBC, and BBC local radio, mainly discussing uh, Catholicism, feminism, motherhood, family life, and other like issues. She has also been the target of a transgender terror campaign now for several years. If you follow these issues on social media, you'll have seen the viciousness she's been exposed to. I've wanted to have her on for a while, and we've almost interviewed several times, but due to ongoing court cases against her, we had to cancel previous interviews. But now she is available to come on to talk about her experiences, and I hope they give you a bit of insight into what women in the public eye defending traditional Christianity have to deal with. Maybe just to uh, introduce our listeners to you, I've of course given a bit of an introduction already, but maybe explain how you ended up in journalism because that's not that's not how your career started out. No, that's right. So uh, originally, I was an accountant, um, and then I realised that that wasn't really for me, uh, and I I went off uh, and I was cabin crew for a few years. Um, came back into the city and ended up in investment banking. And then when I had my children, I realised that you know just simply the hours that you're expected to work uh, in investment banking that that profession is just not compatible with children. Right. So. Uh, so I um, went just into, I was an office, well, I was an executive PA. Um, and and then, you know, I went on and uh, met my husband and had more children. Uh, and it was during the, uh, my original plan had been to train as a midwife or a teacher uh, once, you know, the children had got a bit older. And then um, during that time, there was an initiative set up called Catholic Voices, and that was for uh, members of the laity who felt, who, who believed in the church's teaching, to, to actually go out and defend the church in the media. And it coincided with um, the papal visit of Pope Benedict XVI to, to London. Um, and and I, at the same time as doing that, I set up a blog. And I, I didn't expect my blog to become 
at all popular. I mean, this was back in the days when everybody was blogging, you know, it was sort of before right. Twitter. And right. I was just proposing some Catholic Christian ideas. Um, and, you know, it was, from my point of view, it was nothing unique. It was nothing particularly insightful. It was just, this is why I, as a woman in my 30s, think the church is right on abortion and on contraception and, and, and really just defending Catholic um, doctrine. And the blog became incredibly popular. Um, and it was like people couldn't believe uh, that I would be there to say these things. Uh, I remember one post I did, and it was about the mother and baby homes in Tune. And it got something like a quarter of a million hits in one day. Um, and, and I just sort of became, by default, the, the go-to person whenever the media wanted somebody to commentate on Catholic issues and to give an opinion on Catholic issues, they'd go to me. And they really liked the novelty factor of the fact that I was a woman, you know, that ticked a box. Um, there was also the fact that my husband is very unusually a Catholic priest. So he was a convert from um, the Church of England and he got a dispensation to be ordained as a Catholic priest. So people quite liked, I think, I was just seen as, as a bit of a novelty. And then around this time, uh, you know, same-sex marriage uh, became became law with legislative for and I was one of the voices who who was defending the church's point of view and explaining why I didn't think uh, same-sex marriage should be legalized and there was a whole load of pushback from that and it made me realize that actually I probably couldn't ever get a mainstream job as a result of what I'd said about um, same-sex marriage, about abortion, about all these issues. I realised that I was probably untouchable in terms of mainstream employment. And I had been doing so much media work anyway that I just thought, you know what, I, I will just turn this into my career. Uh, and, and at that mm -hmm. time, I felt quite protected because, you know, with my husband being a priest, it wasn't as if somebody could sack a Catholic for having Catholic views, you know? Right, right. Yeah, no, one, <laughs> one of the things that always strikes me uh, as crazy about uh, the careers of anybody who's writing about the, the current madnesses and insanities is how controversial saying old things has become. Like things that, you know, views that would have been boring, uh, you know, not that long ago, even in the 60s and, and, and most of the 70s, are now considered wildly controversial. And it's an indication uh, an indication of the extent to which Western cultures have become post-Christian, because you start to realize that a lot of the outrage is coming from people for whom these views are very new. And these people that are responding are, are far more dogmatic than, say, uh, you know, the atheists and the secularists and the progressives uh, of, of, of back in the day. So, you know, um, Bertrand Russell and George Bernard Shaw and and all of these people uh, would engage with with the the Catholics and the High Anglicans, you know, C.S. Lewis, Chesterton, and all the rest of their day. Malcolm Muggeridge, uh, more recently, but now it seems that you present a very boring idea, as you said, you're articulating ideas uh, that are ancient, and the response is is just almost unhinged. Yes, and and it's you know even I mean I'm not that old, but <laughs> growing up in in the 80s, if you had said in the 80s uh, two men can get married, it would have been people would have said don't be daft even in the 90s. <laughs> 
even in the early noughties, even this was not something that that could be considered. It would be don't be ridiculous. That's not possible. And now, of course, we've moved a step forward, and it's you know men can be women. You know, a, a woman can have a penis. You know, and that is just the the very fact of of claiming that you know. Um, a woman can have a penis is just outrageous. You know, it is the emperor's new clothes and we're all supposed to sort of clap along and, and say, yes, well, that's quite right. You know, some men can have babies. <laughs> um, and it, it, it is, it is absolutely insane. And you said this sort of 20 years ago and you'd have been locked up in an asylum or people would have laughed at you. Right. But, but now, and, and I think what's interesting as well, you know, you talk about, you know, the old sort of atheists, the new... I guess, social justice warrior brigade, they are the new religious zealots. I mean, they have a real zeal in their eye and they are there to track down, uh, you know, they're worse than, than, than any of the inquisitors. They are like the new inquisition. They are there to track down any sort of perceived heresy and completely punish you for it. And it, it doesn't matter whether what you're saying is, is true, is rooted in, in reason, whether or not you have any charity behind what you're saying. You know, just a disagreement with a particular stance, you know, saying, okay, well, I believe marriage is between one man and one woman. I believe that people can't change sex. I believe that sex is immutable. You know, that is then deemed as being full of hatred and you must you must be shut down and you must be punished because you are the ones full of hatred. And, and they can't actually see that it's their own hatred that they're projecting onto you. But, but they are them. They are the new religious zealots far more than, than, than any um, Christians. Well, not to put too fine of a point on it, but they even have their own version of genital mutilation that cannot be questioned. Right. It was not it was not all that long ago that most conservative commentators were producing books on the threat of, of, of immigration from Islamic countries where uh, radicalism was prominent and the idea that, you know, these people wouldn't integrate into society, etc. Now the bizarre shift you see is most of those same commentators are writing books about the woke uh, and the, the progressive activists. And you see the major pushback to to LGBT indoctrination in schools coming from a strange fusion of of the last surviving traditionalist Anglicans and imams. Yeah, no, no, that that that's right, and and it's and and it's it's we're in a difficult place actually because it's very interesting in in the UK in particular we've got a real kind of flashpoint going on because the people pushing back against LGBT teaching in schools is really the Muslim community. Uh, and I've sort of, I've had them reaching out to me and I, I've, I've sort of reached out to them as well. And they've been saying, look, we, as a, as a Muslim community, we've been reaching out, you know, to, to, to the Jews as well. And, and it, there's, there's been a real kind of religious coalition trying to push back against some of this um, LGBT stuff in schools. And what seems to have happened in the UK is that some of the most outrageous and egregious material that, that you would believe has been piloted in areas which have got a heavy Muslim concentration. And it seems to be a, a, a deliberate uh, strategy and tactic so that when you know the Muslim community uh, 
pushes back, it then whips up kind of anti, uh, anti-Muslim, anti-Islamic sentiment. And, and those objecting can be portrayed as total bigots. And of course, it doesn't help because, you know, when, you know, the, the Muslim community kind of push back against something, they're very loud and they're very vocal, then it, it speaks very much to a visceral fear. And, and often, you know, um, the, the the Muslim community, and I, I don't mean this in any kind of like derogatory way, but they can be quite naive. So mm-hmm. they will be asked a very leading question by someone in the media, uh, and they will say, "Well, I believe that you know homosexuality is is an abomination," you know, and then that will be beamed across the media. And you know, it, it, it's 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 a very kind of subtle, insidious tactic, in order to to, to set one group of people against another and to ensure that the LGBT stuff gets you know pushed into school no question and anyone sort of objecting to it is, is portrayed as a sort of you know neolithic uh, you know Neanderthal bigot who, who has no place in modern society it, it, it is it is quite frightening I think one of the best examples of, of how far we've come and how quickly is as I look at the the current American president who's who's almost 80 years old, and if you had accused him in, in in the year 2000 of believing that the phrase uh, her penis or his breasts were valid, he would have accused you of being a liar, a fear monger, um, you know, a smear job. And yet here he is. Well, yeah, quite. And and it was it, we had this as well. I had this a lot during during the same sex marriage debate. Um, you know, we were saying, look, if you change the, the fundamental meaning of what marriage is, you kind of open the door for all sorts of other things. You know, we're going to see uh, people wanting to marry their pets and we're going to uh, want to see, you know, thruples and, you know, sort of three or four people, you know, poly, polyamorous relationships that will be legalized. And and everyone said, don't be so obscene. You're being ridiculous. You know, there's this is outrageous. How dare you? And yet, what do we see happening? And, and I think much of the pushback um, has come from the fact that you certainly in, in the Western world, well, I say the pushback, the, the, the drive for trans rights uh, or so-called trans rights has come from the fact that actually all these LGBT lobby groups have won their battles. Yeah. There, are, there is nothing uh, that the gay and lesbian community uh, have asked for and they haven't got. They're looking to, to justify their existence. They're looking around for some form of oppression. And this is all they can really get, you know, and, and there's been all these reports on how certainly Stonewall, the UK lobby group have been casting around uh, looking you know they 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 had a survey sorry and you know they said we're going to focus far more on trans rights and that's because mm-hmm. they had nothing left really that they had to push <laughs> for yeah, no, and in many ways, some of these these civil rights groups are like government bureaucracies, right? They'll never they'll never accomplish something and go away. They just produce more work that they then have to do. To can it it becomes an enormous grift at some point. Yeah, no, it, it, exactly because it, you know it really suits them to to say that there's some oppression. But that said, I see some real light at the end of the tunnel in that you know we talk about making unusual allies and some of the allies in all of this certainly in, in the trans madness have been gay men and you know lesbian women who can see that they too 
are being forced and coerced in, into, you know, believing something that isn't true. So, you know, they're told, a lesbian woman is told, well, if you don't like a woman with a penis, then you are being transphobic and you're a bigot. Um, and, and it's quite interesting, actually, to see a lot of people who I think five years ago would have written, you know, you and me off as being deeply homophobic, full of hatred, are actually now beginning to realise that we're quite, hopefully, we're quite nice, we're quite reasonable people, we don't hate them. We don't hate them, we don't want to legislate them out of existence, we don't, you know, we don't want to criminalise them, we just have our views on what we think marriage is, and we want to be allowed, you know, to have our beliefs and, and, and to share our beliefs, you know, with our family and with our faith groups, and, you know, that actually having a belief about something doesn't equate to hatred. So it's been quite hopeful, I think, in, certainly in the UK, in that I have picked up a whole load of, of unusual allies who've actually said to me, Caroline, you know, yeah, five years ago, I, I thought you were a terrible person, but but now I've realised actually, you know, you're quite reasonable and and, and quite nice. And 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 it's, it's actually been a, a form of almost evan evangelization that people have become interested and what you have to say and realize that you're not just trying to you're not this sort of um stereotype of um you know what's the, what's that serena joy from um the handmaid's tales that you're not trying to bring about gilead uh, that that actually you're just trying you know to do what you think is right you know by your family and by society this is a good segue into your personal experience writing things that would have you would have once been considered by some of the very people attacking you as 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 perfectly reasonable, sane, uh, and 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 yeah, just ordinary to say. Because I, I forget if I first interacted with your work when I heard about all the attacks being leveled at you by trans activists and supporters of the trans cause, or if it was a column I read first. I can't remember which of those came first, but. When you started to write a bit about this issue, maybe walk our listeners through a bit of what ended up happening to you. Because so the last fellow we had on on, on the program uh, last week uh, is a is a guy who actually had his arm broken, you know, for having a sandwich board sign that just said, you know, um, puberty blockers or children can't consent to puberty blockers. And the other side of the sign had the I heart J.K. Rowling sign on it. And so we're seeing just the viciousness with which any opposition is treated is really, really staggering considering how new this movement actually is. And it also just indicates that love, compassion, support has nothing to do with what we see unfolding right now. So maybe walk our listeners through a bit of, of your experience. When did your trials begin, as it were? Well, it, it was quite incidental, actually. So um, I used to... I never really considered the trans issue in any depth, other than thinking... You know, these are very confused, uh, very hurt, very wounded people, and we must be sympathetic. And I think that is the default position of, of most people, actually, that you, you recognise that somebody who is who is experiencing gen, genuine gender dysphoria is not in a good uh, mental or emotional place. Um, and then I think in 2016 or 2017, um, you know, the US bathroom bills started being talked about. 
And it was actually a Catholic priest who's quite controversial, Father James Martin. He wrote, he he tweeted, I think it's a matter of human dignity, uh, where to choose to go to the loo. (laughs) And I thought, hang on a minute, that's not human dignity. Um, And I said to him very gently, but Father, what about the the dignity of my female children uh, to to be able to to go to the loo without having to see, you know, male bodies um you know what about the privacy dignity and comfort of children um and that just i've never seen anything like it jonathan i had i had a night where i ended up having to block over a thousand people you know people were saying to me why are you so consumed with hatred your children should be removed and it, it kind of really really escalated uh to the point where you had all the trans activists on the East Coast sort of waking up, seeing this response to a tweet I just made to a Catholic priest. Um, and they were, they were making the most disgusting and derogatory comments about, you know, my body and what it must look like after uh, five children. And I thought, gosh, I've never seen such misogyny in all my life. This is, mm-hmm. this is really quite bad. And then I began just talking and writing about the issue uh, a lot more. And... I wrote some tweets uh, and I was invited to discuss it because because of my media work, I was invited to discuss a lot of these issues on media programmes like Good Morning Britain with Piers Morgan. I I appeared on quite a few times uh, as this issue was heating up. And on one of the occasions, I had to debate Susie Green who is the patron, the chief executive officer of Mermaids, which is the leading uh, transgender charity for children in in the UK. And it was to do with the Girl Guides. So the Girl Guides have implemented a policy which basically allows boys in. But worse still, um, not just allowing boys in, if your daughter is a girl guide and she goes off on camp, then she might be spending, she might be staying in a tent with somebody who identifies as a girl but is really a teenage boy and you as a parent will not be allowed to know let alone object uh, because girl guides have decided that you know trans the rights of of trans children so-called trans children matter more than uh, the dignity and privacy of girls and so as a you know as a parent if my teenage daughter was spending a night overnight in a tent with with a boy I'd want to know about it. But they were saying, no, you as a parent have no right to know. And basically your children, we can take your children and and put them in in mixed accommodation. And, you know, you don't need to know about it. So I was debating this with Susie Green and Susie was saying, trans girls, girls, they just want to be with their mates. And I was saying, well, no, hang on a minute. You take a teenage girl and a teenage boy and you you put them in uh, overnight accommodation together and you are asking for trouble. And she was, you know, not having it. She was saying that I was claiming that all boys were rapists. And I was saying, no, it's not like that. But teenagers are teenagers. Um, and then the exchange kind of carried on to Twitter. And I made a series of comments about Susie, which I stand by. So Susie caused great controversy in the UK because uh, she had uh, four four sons and the youngest one um transition to be a girl and Susie booked an operation for her son to have you know sex change surgery on his 16th birthday which was illegal in the UK is illegal in most uh western countries so she booked it in Thailand Mm. and Thailand was so outraged by this that they have now you know made what she did illegal and she procured um 
puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones for her son from the age of 12 or 13. And I described what she did as child abuse, mutilation and castration. Uh, and, and I stand by that because I think when we're talking about transgender children, particularly in the UK, they the, the trans the transgender rights activists try and couch it uh, in very soft language. Uh, and I think actually the British public or, or the wider public should know exactly what Susie Green and mermaids advocate. And that is giving puberty blockers and giving cross-sex hormones to children at, at a time when they cannot even consent. You, you cannot consent as an 11 or 12 year old to cross-sex hormones. You cannot consent to you know, lifelong sterility, um, you know, reduced uh, sex life. Um, you know, apparently, sexual sensation is is is, is very changed. Um, you, you just can't consist. You, you you cannot consent to a life a lifetime of of medical intervention, particularly when it's very risky medical intervention. We don't know what what the long term effects of puberty blockers are. Yeah. We don't know. You know, we also know that there's so many risks for people taking cross-sex hormones so I just wanted people to know that this woman booked an operation for her 16 year old child on their birthday to basically have have his penis and testicles removed and I used the word castration because I wanted to wake people up to what was going on um and then six months later I had a phone call from the police uh, and the police wanted to interview me under caution and they said it was for misgendering <laughs> Gendering uh, Susie's daughter. That's what I was told on the phone. Uh, and I basically, I was very lucky because I had lots of media and, and journalist connections. I, I kicked up a huge stink and said, this is outrageous. And it turned out <laughs> the world was outraged too. They were like, this is a journalist and she's being investigated by the police for misgendering. Uh, and then Susie went on a TV show and, and said, well, actually, it wasn't just misgendering. She said, I castrated my child. I was like, well, yes, you did. <laughs> and, um, and she decided that she was going to drop the charges against me because she knew it was just going to play very, very badly for her. You know, let's let's you know, you can't prosecute a journalist who, who criticizes what you do, particularly had Susie Green not been such a public in individual I probably wouldn't have criticized her in that way but the fact is she made uh, her child's you know gender transition whatever you have sex change she made that public property so there is um, a documentary of her on YouTube um, that she made with the BBC and it's really shocking there she is laughing about the fact that her 12 year old's penis is so shrunken as a result of the cross-sex hormones, you know, is is in such a state, it's so sort of shriveled and disheveled that there wasn't enough material for them to be able to do the, the operation properly, a little bit like Jazz Jennings. And I thought it was just horrible to watch. It was actually this child's mother and grandmother laughing on national television over, over the state of his genitals. I mean, that re really was shocking and it, you know, really infringed his dignity and his privacy. And so if you're going to make yourself and your child uh, sort of figureheads for this movement and say, this is why it is so important, you know, my child would have committed suicide if they hadn't been allowed to do this. Actually, I think you have to shine a spotlight 
on what happened in this instance. So, so that's, and I wasn't the only one to do this by any means, um, but that, that's what happened. You know, I was shining a spotlight on somebody who made herself and her child a public figure. And, and she just couldn't cope with that and went to the police. And so after much outrage, um, the case was dropped. And then I found myself at tsunami of, I, I've never, ever experienced anything like it, Jonathan. So um, it was almost as if the trans activists thought, oh, my goodness, she's got away with it. So I was then subjected to what I can only describe as a terror campaign. So there was, in conjunction with this going on, there was a blog running about me which published uh, 50 posts a day. And it was posting things, it was posting rape threats and death threats. It outed my children's schools. It threatened to disfigure my children's faces with acid. Um, it outed my husband's uh, private mobile number. Uh, it, it outed all my family details. We were getting letters sent to us, abusive letters sent to us from Canada, from Australia, from all over the world, referencing my elderly father, who was um, 79. Uh, I was having cartoons. Somebody had obviously infiltrated my Facebook. I was having cartoons drawn of all my family and comments made about all my family, my young children. I had accounts set up on Pornhub with my face, uh, they're not rude pictures, but just, you know, my face and saying I'm looking for X, Y, Z. My email was hacked. We had uh, a period of about three weeks where we were having um, takeaways sent to us 10 times a day. Um, we had, uh, my husband's church had uh, an account set up in its name with a supplier to adult entertainment industry. So, you know, the church was allegedly ordering all kinds of goods and services. I had hundreds of pounds worth of sort of sex toys uh, ordered in my name. I had orders placed at all these different retail stores. Um, you know, I had messages from the passport office, from the driving agency's office. I was just absolutely inundated with sort of spam and offline harassment and it got to the point where I was almost too frightened to leave the house and then I had a number of act activists at the same time sort of non-stop hounding and targeting me and, and being really abusive uh, so I flipped I absolutely flipped and I, I think it was um, kind of a concerted campaign and I ended up being sued uh, for a hundred thousand pounds in in the high court by um by a certain activist um <laughs> and uh, that all got settled um and then I got sued for a second time for a hundred thousand pounds so I've I've had like and again that's been settled and I I can't say too much or anything really about you know the activist involved but yeah right. it's been two to three years of police threats I've been reported to the police for a number of for a number of you know non-existent offences, I've had legal threats. Uh, on one occasion, I was going to America for for a work trip, um, and they obviously got wind of it. And I had got my visa approval, my ESTA to go into the states, um, and then I was denied boarding because. And they boasted about it. They actually boasted about the fact that they managed to 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 put a spanner in the works. I don't know what happened. Um, I've now. Got, got the problem sorted I'm now able to I've been to America since but they they basically got wind of the fact I was I was going on a work trip to America uh and uh boasted about managing to to get 
to get my visa cancelled. Um, and, and even now, even though some of it is abating, somebody contacted me just two days ago and said, Caroline, uh, a tweet that I sent you over a year ago has now resulted in my suspension from this platform. <laughs> even oh, though, you know, so I know night and day uh, I am stalked on, on social media. You know, it, it, it is it is insane. Um and I can't really account for it other than their ego must be so, so fragile that they feel that anyone who sort of, it feels like a narcissistic injury, you know, that anyone that sort of pierces their identity must must be hunted down and punished. How did your family cope with all this? It's been horrendous, actually. So, um my husband was a governor at my kid's school and because of the you know fact that the school was outed and, and they were getting threats and you know and, and other parents were getting worried he 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 decided to stand down because he you know he didn't want to put the school at risk um it, it's, it has been awful for my family actually you know the, the, the little ones have been uh too young really to understand but you know my my eldest daughter who was 14 15 when it started yeah you know she's been alarmed because they outed her school and they outed how she was going to school as well so we had to tell her about precautions that, that she had to take going to, to and from school she was also very worried you know mummy being sued in the high court you know and, and being in the papers and, and you know they were trying to get me put in prison and we were saying look it's it's, it's very unlikely that's going to happen but but obviously um it, it has been a, a major worry and one of the awful things that happened to us as well um was the what 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 some of these people did was they put in a false report to the um national society for the prevention of cruelty to children so basically child welfare services they put a fake report in purporting to be from me saying help uh my husband is physically and sexually abusing me and my children and you know sexually abusing my children in their sleep uh and then i got an email from uh, child protection saying we've received this we're very worried you say you know father does this this and this how does this happen we've had no choice we've had to alert the police so the next thing I do is I phone the police and say oh my goodness and they said yeah no we're aware of this um, and the next thing there's a knock on the door and it's a policeman wanting to do a welfare check on the kids to check that the kids are all okay now, obviously, uh, there's nothing to hide, uh, and, and he saw the kids, and, and they're all absolutely fine. Um, you know, my son was like, "Oh, you're a policeman, <laughs> you got that? You know, and 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 he realised pretty quickly. And I showed him my email, and I said, "Look at this. This is this is this is some of the spam and the abuse I'm getting." Um, and he really, you know, they realised pretty quickly that it was a hoax, but it really left its mark on the kids who have actually been too frightened you know have been quite frightened of the police they've been frightened to open the door they also now know because an activist came to my house in person to serve me uh, legal papers in person you know claiming that they were being harassed <laughs> you know who, who who is harassed and then comes to your front door um so my kids now know not to open the front door I've also 
you know, we've been on tenterhooks because I've been told that I've been reported to the police for all these non-existent crimes so often that you kind of get worried that the police are just going to come round, you know, you come around your house and raid you, even though you know you've done nothing wrong. You know that if they come and take your IT or whatever, you've got absolutely nothing to hide. It would just be a pain. But, you know, we've all been left with sort of a, a measure of, sort of PTSD and anxiety. Um, and every now and again, it's almost like when they want some attention, the pizza deliveries start up again. Um, and we've had absolutely no help uh, from the police with this whatsoever. So the um, delivery company that... Uh, they were using you know like a delivery portal just eat to 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 get all these deliveries and and they said look we'll work with the police this is really wrong what's happening to you we have the ip information we can we can work with the police and the police were just like oh well it's not proportionate for us to investigate this um (laughs) and and it's really crazy that on the one hand i've had you know threats to disfigure the children um and nothing's been done yet. You know, I call something out for what it is and say, look, I think this woman castrated her son. Uh, and, and they're straight away wanting to, to come and investigate me for misgendering. So there's a real inconsistency as, as to how the law has been applied. Well, this is exactly what I wanted to, to ask you. And you sort of answered my next question, which is just that, A, especially in the United Kingdom, you've seen this this uh, like speech that dissents from transgender orthodoxy be presented as if it is a physical crime. Um, and even, even the idea of a hate crime, like that, that, you know, these that feelings are outlawed to some degree or another, it's, 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 it's all rather bizarre, but, but what really strikes me and struck me at the time when, when you're, uh, when you're targeting started is that this would be a, a, a front page story on every newspaper, not just in the UK, but in the West, if a, a transgender person or an LGBT activist got subjected to a fraction of what you've been, subjected to has there been any sort of interest in your side of the story uh from from any major outlet yeah so there was so um after the Susie green uh affair happened uh i i spoke to the daily mail uh and and my my story did get published in the mail and they published some of you know the abuse some some of the abuse that I'd had on this blog, you know, about how how you, how your children are so ugly, and you know, would we disfigure them with acid? Uh, you know, and they they did publish it, and and some of what was happening, but no, there hasn't really been, as you say, that much interest and that much traction, um, and and I think it's simply because it's seen as not 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 fitting the narrative. I'm not the right kind of victim, you know. I'm almost seen as sort of having provoked it for, for having spoken out on, on these various issues. Um, and, and, and yeah, as you say, it, it has been really, really frustrating. And I think, I, I guess this is where my Christian faith has come in because, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, God will judge all of this. You know, this is where I've had to completely, you have a choice that you can either get really consumed with hurt, anger and bitterness. And in the and, and I did get to a really you know, bad point. And in the end, it's like, OK, I've got to lay this all at the foot of the cross. I've just got to I've just got to trust in God and leave it all up to him here because uh, and realize, you know, that although I have no desire for vengeance, but, you know, these people will get theirs in the end but you know let's 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 pray that they don't let's pray that they um convert you know 
but it, it has been really frustrating and I think the lack of action from the police so one man to be fair was interviewed under caution um gave a plausible excuse uh, and said well there's a group of us doing it and, and they just they just <laughs> have really been the same sort of appetite but as you say you know if it had been an LGBT person who had been targeted on account of, of, of their sexuality or their gender identity, then, yeah, you know, the police would have been all over it like a cheap suit, as we see in the UK. Mm-hmm. And in fact, recently there was a case of a, a, a celebrity vicar who's, you know, he's a really nice guy. Um, and and he, he's, he's, he's a gay, he's a homosexual, a celebrity vicar, and his partner died. And apparently... Uh, a, a Christian texted him and said something quite uncharitable about how you know they'd all be burning in hell you know uh, and and he he expressed how sad he was that someone had done that and straight away the police were saying right okay do you want us to investigate this yeah good grief you know that the police were straight there but at one point um I had this police officer say to me, well, Caroline, have you been discussing trans issues? You know, you ought to just stop talking about trans issues. And although um, I don't like to sort of go down the whole misogyny uh, line too much, it was quite interesting because whenever you report this to the police, you speak to a female police officer and they really get it. They really get how frightening mm. it is subjected and some of the language I mean I, I couldn't tell you some of the language that was used you know it was really coarse really really graphic I saw some of it and, and yeah and 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 a, a, a female police officer was this is dreadful that this is the worst I've ever seen and and then then it gets passed over to to some young aspiring uh male police officer who is terribly woke and has done his diversity training and and he's just oh, well, this is a middle-aged spat. And I'm thinking, no, it's not, because I'm not the one going around threatening people's children, mm-hmm. you know, making false accusations of, um, of of sexual abuse and sort of terrorising a family. And it got to the point where we were, you know, we had various people going to go to child's um, go to sort of child protection and say actually this is a child protection issue because this family and and her children are being terrorized uh and the police aren't doing anything and and actually um we had child protection contact us and say how can we help and 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 I told them what was going on and they said well really this is we'll have to close the case because this is for the police to deal with Uh, so you know it it just got really really frustrating and and every now and again you know the phone will ring you know my husband's um my husband's number is public so very often you know when things are heating up he'll get lots and lots of dropped calls um and and I think you know I I guess Jonathan if I could have my time again I would say to anybody doing this kind of act activism make sure that that you're a private individual that your address is private that you know that there is no way that they can get you um and you know it's it to be honest it, this is another argument against married clergy mm-hmm. because it, it's not been ideal for my husband in any way shape or form you know to, to have been targeted like this you know it's sort of interf- people have tried to interfere with his ministry and his vocation yeah, it's interesting because your comment that there's a double standard for women and men, I think, is true because I've I've actually seen females who come out against trans activism get way, way more hatred. Like 
if you look at what J.K. Rowling got as well, and she checks all of the boxes except for the the most recent one, and she's now you know a witch that needs to get burned. It's insane the things that you like. I see them in my Twitter feed every time uh, she says something. You know, everybody sort of piles on and they say all these wretched things in the name of love or whatever. Um, there's no disagreement allowed whatsoever. I will say, though, that, you know, you're probably kinder than I am because I've I've only got two kids. Um, I, but I've you know, I've gotten plenty of, uh, of you know, hate mail and, you know, the odd death threat here and there. Like you can't say anything about any of these issues without that coming your way once in a while. But the idea of thre- oh, somebody threatening one of my kids makes me feel very uncharitable and think very unbiblical things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it does. And and whatever. And it's interesting, actually, going back to J.K. Rowling, uh, you know, the, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation on Radio 4, which used to be their, their flagship radio station, you know, um, it was more sort of intellectual, esoteric, you, you know, uh, they had a program the other day saying, is it still all right to, to read J.K. Rowling? I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> real kind of McCarthyism going on there um it real witch hunting and, and when you look at what JK Rowling said it was entirely reasonable and rational and, and sane and very compassionate actually um but but yeah no you're right and that there are times you know I have I have felt really um aggrieved and and, and uncharitable thoughts but I think what you have to remember is that the people who say these things are really twisted and tortured and in pain themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by letting them get to you, you let them win. You, you, do, you do let them win. And unfortunately, you know, it, it has shown my children sort of the world that we are growing up in. Um, my eldest daughter, you know, wants to be a doctor. And, and we've had to say to her, you know, I mean, she obviously shares all our views on, on, on all these issues. Um, you know, she's, and it's partly, I think, natural law as much as faith. And we've had to say to her, you know what, when you're going through med school, you've just got to keep your head down and be quiet. <laughs> you, you know, this this is the world we're growing up in. And, you know, there may be a time for you to speak, uh, but if you want to kind of graduate as a doctor, you've just got to get through med school because, you know, there are so many cases now in the UK. There was a midwife who almost wasn't allowed to qualify because she came out with her pro-life views. And we were saying, you know, of course, there is an exemption for you. You do not have to, you know, you do not get involved in abortions. You, you have you have your um, legal right to exempt yourself. You know, you don't have to be coerced into doing that. But but generally speaking, this is what you're going to face when you go through med school, when you go through life. These are the sorts of attitudes that you're going to have to face. Um, so it's it's kind of good training for them. And also, I think in some ways, uh, maybe they can look, they can look at me and think, OK, well, ha- what did what did mommy get right here? Uh, um, <laughs> um, what, what did mommy get wrong? Because I think as well, c- kids are much more. Um, much more digitally native than we are you know i mean thank goodness facebook and twitter and social media wasn't around when i was growing up yeah um, i think that the kids are getting a lot more savvy and wise and it's quite interesting actually young young people of my daughter's generation aren't actually interested in social media anymore <laughs> it's it's really good they see adults my age making idiots of themselves on the internet and think i don't want to do that but 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 you're right yeah it, it, it is very frightening and you know, if my if my husband were just a plumber, for example, they wouldn't have targeted him in quite the same way. Right. Um, 
Okay. But that said, I mean, you've probably come across Posey Parker. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. We talked about her on the last show. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. And she, you know, she has had uh, her, her husband and her family targeted as well. Um, not, 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 they haven't been able to get to them in quite the same way, but yeah, you know, you speak out on these things and they try and find out who your family are. They try and put pressure on you. Uh, and you know, it's it's to frighten you. It it really is to frighten you because it, it is a form of persecution because you know they want to stop you from being able to earn. You know they, they you know they just are so insecure they can't cope with any challenge to their identity. Well, um, yeah. On that note, what what I find interesting from my my perch here in in North America is that the UK uh, seems to be the only place where there is any pushback to trans ideology at all and that your press still seems independent enough that you have, you know, the BBC actually doing investigations into the Tavistock gender clinic. You still have, um, you know, the, the NHS review of puberty blockers getting covered in mainstream media. Um, that story is, I think over was, is, uh, yeah, well over a week old now and no Western media has covered it yet outside of the UK. So, well, I, I, I should, I should qualify no non-conservative, uh, media has covered it outside of the UK. So do you feel a little bit more optimistic about the way things are headed in the UK? Uh, Dan Hitchens had an interesting article in uh, the American Conservative a couple of weeks back called Turning the Trans Tide, where he says that, that the UK is the one place where there does actually seem to be a pushback. And when the BBC is making the same point you got mobbed for making a couple of years ago, surely that's a, a positive development in some way? Yeah, and I, 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 I think it has been. I think, I think you know, Canada and the US and the rest of the world needs to look to the UK and, and to to how to how it's happened here. But but yes, it is really really encouraging. You know, in some way, it's frustrating when you see someone like J.K. Rowling, you know, getting all this pushback, getting the same pushback. As, as you that you've had for years and nobody's really taken any notice and suddenly everybody's rushing to the defense of JK Rowling. And I, you know, I've looked at some of the stuff we've got and I thought, my goodness, I've actually had a lot worse. I'm not, I'm not sort of saying, you know, I'm, I'm more of a victim or whatever, but you know, it's interesting in a way that JK Rowling has got the money and the power and the fame, but that still hasn't insulated her. But, you know, it, it goes, I'm sure it goes a long way to making sure she's got adequate security, for example. <laughs> um, but but in, in, in that respect, it's kind of been frustrating, but it's also been, as you say, immensely encouraging. And I think it's been because we've had, a, as you say, we've had a couple of really courageous journalists. Um, we've had Andrew Gilligan uh, in the UK, who he was writing for the Sunday Times and he covered this a lot. We've had um, a lot of female columnists who had already got a bit of backlash for saying uh, perhaps a slightly um, unwoke, unpolitically correct comment. So Suzanne Moore, you know, she's she's a left wing uh, columnist and, and she'd spoken about, uh, you know, I think she got cancelled in 2013 for talking about men in fright wicks. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, so I think some of these, because some of these columnists are fem- feminists and they've had their fingers burnt, they've been able to get quite a lot of traction. And, and as well, it is, you can see that this is not just a sort of, it's not viewed through a sort of reactionary lens. People can see that there's real harm to be done to children by what's going on. That, that this, this is really, really harmful, that there is a whole generation of children being irreparably harmed and that there is going to be 
a big scandal, you know, bigger than thalidomide or, um, you know, any, any of the sort of big medical scandals over, over, over the past 50, 60 years. This, this is huge. We have been giving children experimental drugs um, and sort of ransacking their perfectly healthy bodies. And the children who've been most at risk of this are, are the most vulnerable children, you know, children with um, autism or children, uh, you know, with, with, with mental health problems. And, and everyone's, you know, everyone's sort of been turning a blind eye. So I think some of these columnists and, and some, some of these journalists, the fact that they've been left wing has meant that they've been taken more seriously. But But there has been... This hasn't just been about opinion. This hasn't just been about, well, I think, you know, marriage is one man and one woman. This has been based in evidence, science and fact. And people have been saying, whoa, hang on a minute. What's going on here? And it has been hugely encouraging, actually, to see the BBC and to see Newsnight uh, pick up on this um, and, and actually sort of doing doing their duty, doing what journalists are supposed to do. And and hopefully, I mean, I know the organisation I work for is uh, has its HQ in Spain, and I know that Spain is now uh, facing the same sort of gender madness, you know, where you've got the socialist government trying to push through, you know, these bathroom bills and these sport bills and all sorts, and they're really looking to the, the UK High Court decision. And, and someone like Kira Bell has just done so much uh, for, for the cause worldwide to really uh -huh. raise awareness. Um, so, 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 yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of been a combination of factors. And as well, you know, in the UK, we have a common law system. So a lot of people sort of say, a lot of Americans often say to me, you know, why isn't... Um, I don't know abortion more of a political issue. Why isn't you know the gender stuff more of a political issue? But but you know the way we work we're based on common law. So if you want to get sort of decisions changed, you have to go th through the judicial route. You can't necessarily change it through political lobbying. One final question: Where do you see this all all going? There's some positive signs. The constitutional court decision that you referred to uh, was was a huge step forward. How do you see this playing out over the next five or so years? I I see it playing out uh, quite positively, actually. I I see there being a massive swing back, and we can see that already. So you know, a lot of people are realizing, are beginning to join the dots about. You know, we've we've got these disjointed sections in society. We've got, we've got feminists talking about rape culture, and we've got LGBT ideology in schools. And people are beginning to see that it doesn't work. It doesn't work having this highly sexualized, very sexually liberal society, uh, and and trying to protect sort of women and children. And, and people are noticing sort of the crossover between. You know, I have to be careful. I'm, I'm not going to go as far as saying, you know, uh, you know, LGBT people are paedophiles because plainly they're not. And people who are waking up to this as well and who are calling it out within their own community. And that needs to happen. So you've got quite a few um, gay men and lesbian women calling out sexualization of children, saying this isn't appropriate. We shouldn't be bombarding children with this. You've also got people calling out surrogacy as well and saying, you know, this is completely wrong. You know, nobody's got the right to a child. You know, 
you, you can't exploit women, you can't commoditize children. So I see there being, you know, quite a strong uh, pushback against, you know, some of the really harmful, toxic elements of, of LGBT ideology. And, and I think the High Court decision, if it's, because um, I know um, activists are trying to appeal it, I think if the High Court decision is held, then that's going to be a huge step forward. And that will give um, doctors, medics, you know, the NHS, actually the support it needs to say, hang on a minute, the child is presenting as, as gender dysphoric. We don't have to take them down this pathway. And, and I, I just see there being far more uh, of a pushback towards this because you ask normal people in the street, you know, can, can a woman have a penis? And they'll just laugh yeah. at you. You know, not, not normal people are not happy with trans women competing in sporting events. They're not happy with... Um, you know, gender neutral toilets and, and facilities, you know, and they still want sex segregated facilities, whether that's toilets, whether that's hospitals, hospital wards, whether that's changing rooms. So I actually see, uh, God willing, a return to sanity. And I think it almost had to get this mad for, for people to, to really realise what's going on and 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 to have a row back now i don't think we're going to go back to kind of um you know a hundred years ago or so but i think there will there will be a rowing back on, on the madness because what we've got cannot hold we cannot have a society with so many kind of confused messages about sex and sexuality and boys being blamed for you know there's this whole rape culture you know if we have a rape culture it's because people are being told that it doesn't matter you know so long you know it doesn't sex doesn't matter sex is this recreational thing you know sex is something you're entitled to uh and 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 children are being given these really mixed messages so i i can see hopefully the dots the dots joining up and uh sanity beginning to prevail and I think you know clearly we will still see sort of uh the transgender element in society but I I I think too that some of the excesses are going to be reined back and 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 hopefully we will begin to see that you know those people who identify as transgender are you know it's it's a very very tiny tiny minority in society um you, you know that's my hope anyway <laughs> I mean it, it certainly it certainly seems to be going in the right direction and you know I think when you look at what the UK government has done you know um, we were going to implement self-ID we've rode back on that um, I, I think things are going in the right direction well I think uh, the first time anybody has ever said the phrase I think things are going in the right direction um, on this podcast is today so that's a pretty good note to end on uh, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. No, thank you, Jonathan. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with UK commentator Carolyn Farrow. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you want to hear conversations similar to it on issues like this, please do head over to lifesightnews.com. Click on the podcast tab where you can subscribe to our podcast to listen to future episodes or find past episodes. We do thank you for making time to listen to this podcast this week, and we hope you'll join us again next week.